just a couple of things as a, a preamble before we start this morning. And one of them is, if you use Uversion as an app, do you use Uversion as an app? Yeah. Uh, if you look on the menu at the moment, there's an events uh, part as part of the uh, menu. And this morning's talk's on events. As, and sort of it's got a, a list of things. Now, the thing is, if you uh, look at it when you get home, it won't be there. Because for some reason, I don't know why, they, they just make it happen between 10.30 and 12.30. So if you want to look at your phone now, I'll totally understand that you're not sort of texting Auntie Margaret or anything like that, but you're looking at you version, and that's all right, because it's got a list of all the different things, the points that we're making today. Uh, the other thing is, from last week, everything was, uh, the Sunday talks have been uh, on iTunes as a podcast as well. So again, if you use iTunes and you want a podcast, Fantastic. That's ever so easy. You can find out how to do it on our website as well. So, today, we're thinking about the Psalms. After the last sort of few weeks of been looking at the attributes of God, it was a bit of a decision as to what to do next. Because you think, yeah, look at God. He's the biggest. He's the best. Get to know him a little bit more. That's the way to go. But after a few weeks of doing that, and of course, we could have carried on many more weeks of doing that, but after a few weeks of doing that, then it's what's next. And Psalms is a really important part of our service quite often. Alan often reads a psalm out to us. And before Alan was doing it, John Wright was doing it as well for us, weren't he? So it's a really important part of what we do. So it seemed natural that we'd look at the psalms. Now, some of you may have seen this already. Because I think a couple of weeks ago, you were handed one if you wanted one. Here is said. So it's just an encouragement. If you want to read the Psalms, Psalms 1 to 41, over the next six or seven weeks, you can just have a list at home. Just every day has got a different Psalm to read. Nice and easy. You can either print it off off our website or you can be handed one at the end if you want to. But that's exactly what it looks like. It's like a reading plan, really. If you know me, I love... Facts. Do you like facts as well? Like, you overwhelm me sometimes with your responses. But <laughs> let's just think about it. Do you like facts? Yes. Oh, thank you very much. That was more overwhelming. Thank you. So I've got a list of facts that, about the Psalms. I've called them interesting facts because nobody wants to, to read boring facts, do they? So interesting facts. Why Psalms? Hmm. The Hebrew uh, Bible doesn't call Psalms Psalms, they call it Tehillim. And that means praises. But because we've talked about being learned people in the past, I know most of you are learned people, you'll probably know that the Septuagint is uh, a Greek translation of the Old Testament, and maybe some of you have read it, and it's through the Septuagint, meaning 70, uh, that we get to know what the book of Psalms is. So, uh, Psalmoi, it says. So, and Psalmoi means song sung to an instrument you twang or pluck. So, I noticed David was twanging her violin a little bit earlier, and maybe other people twang their sort of instruments, like Ho was twanging his guitar earlier as well. But Psalms are songs that are sung to an instrument you twang or pluck. And I found out as well that even though we call it Psalms, I think in some languages, they put the P there. What's it in Korean? 
Say it a bit louder. Very different. All right. So how about any other language that anyone might speak? Does anyone else say the P? I don't know. But the thing is, in English, we know we're not saying Psalm. We're saying, because that sounds a bit funny, doesn't it? It's definitely Psalm that we're thinking about. Okay, that was one sheet of interesting facts. Are you ready for some more? Thank you. I like it. There are more interesting facts. There are five books of Psalms. If you've read through the Psalms a lot, you'll have noticed that all of these books are are there. And that's why today and for the next few weeks, we're just looking at the first 41 Psalms because it's the first book. So we're just sort of concentrating on the first book and maybe over the next few years, we might look at the next few books as well. Now, it's interesting, at the end of each of the books of Psalms, there's a doxology, a hymn of praise to God, sort of praise God because this and this and this. And even at the very end of book five, there's not just a short doxology, but there's several Psalms as a doxology, praising God for who he is and what he's done. Usually, if we have a chapter, maybe in a book on uh, the piston engine, for want of a better idea. Anyone interested in the piston engine? I'm not really, but I'm just picking something out, yeah? So if you have a chapter on a piston engine, you might sort of say where it gets its power, how it was constructed, how the invention of it, and all that. So every chapter will be about a different thing on the piston engine or anything else that you might want to think about. But the books of Psalms aren't really like that. It's not like, here's a collection of Psalms about... Here's a collection of psalms about so-and-so. Here's another collection. It's kind of miscellaneous all the way through. 150 chapters, 2,461 verses. Are you ready for even more interesting facts? I'm going to carry on because I know your answer is yes. Yet more interesting facts. I love this about the Bible. There's so many interesting facts. The middle chapter of the Bible, Psalm 117. Middle verse, longest chapter, shortest chapter. All of those sort of things are from the Psalms. How interesting. Has anyone fallen asleep yet? No, because you're finding it interesting as well. Right, how about this? Interesting words. The word seller. That's used 71 times in the Psalms. And of course, it's just like our photos that we use nowadays. Often people don't put their names on the back of them. So in 100 years, when you're looking at old photos... Just think, well, who was that? You don't know who it is because it's just no one's put their name on. But at the time, they knew it was Uncle Fred and Auntie Doris on their wedding day. But now when we look at a photo of Uncle Fred and Auntie Doris, we don't know who's getting married because no one's put their name behind them. Same with words like seller. So it might be used 71 times in the book of Psalms. It's used three times in the book of Habakkuk as well. But what's it mean? People think it means... Ponder on that a little bit. Just have a bit more of a think about it. So that's a good thing as well. How about another page of interesting facts? Can there be further interesting facts on the book of Psalms? Oh, I could be doing this all day, just different things of facts on the Bible, of the book of Psalms especially. If you notice, on some of the Psalms, it doesn't just go straight in and say whatever it's saying, but there's like a little introduction to it. That's worth just looking about for five, ten minutes on your own at home sometime, just to think, oh, what's that about then? Sometimes it might be the background to the psalm, like, oh, 
David was doing this and then he did this. Or sometimes it might be to the director of music, LRSM, Bemus, and all those sort of things. Sometimes it might be sing it when you're doing this, when you're going up to Jerusalem and praising God. But have a look at some of the introductions to the Psalms. They're good to do as well. The authors, there's loads of authors. All of them are sort of in the Old Testament, as you'd expect. David, we think, wrote most of them, and then all these other people wrote a few as well. And they were collected over several hundred years. A lot of people call the Book of Psalms the, the hymn book of the Second Temple. And you might remember, though no one was around here then, that the First Temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, in 590 BC, or thereabouts. And so the second temple, about 70 years later, you think it was something brilliant, something exciting, a new temple was being built, God's back in Jerusalem. And so there were lots of little books of Psalms, and so people think they were collected into a big book and uh, into uh, the Psalms that we have now. So we're going to look at Psalms. And the brilliant thing is, the people who wrote the Psalms are just like us. They had the same kind of persuasions, the same kind of things that were hard for them to look at, the same uh, sort of jobs to do, the same deadlines to meet. So when we read them, we can totally understand that the emotions they had whether it was hope, despair, grief, thankfulness, anger, surprise, disgust, relief, quite a few more, you can think, I feel just like that sometimes. And the psalmist is just expressing what we're feeling as well. And it makes you think that the God who they worshipped is still the same as today. The God who would bear their burdens is still the God who bears our burdens The God who brought them joy brings us joy as well. And happiness and and just life and a plan. The uh, purple bit, when I was reading through the book of Psalms, because if you're asking people to read it through, you've got to do it yourself, haven't you? So about six weeks ago, I was thinking about what John Wright would have done. And I know he reads loads of Psalms every day. So I just, for four days, I read Psalms 1 to 41 every day, but in a different version, and it only took just over an hour. So it's no big thing to do, but it's just something you could do as well. Of course, the amplified version didn't take just over an hour. It took an hour and 20 minutes. So that's, that's quite funny, though. But it's something we can all do. Just read 1 to 41 if you want to in one chunk. It gives you a flavour of what's going on. But when I was reading those about six weeks ago, four days on a trot... I thought that the Psalms sort of split up quite nicely into these three things. And lo and behold, it's brilliant because they all begin with PR. And I love things when it happens like that because you just think, oh, that's a really good way of uh, sort of thinking about it. So we've got prayer. There's loads of prayers in the Psalms. Praise and prophecy. So all of those things we're going to be thinking about over the next few weeks. Prayer, praise and prophecy, I think. I've been a Christian a long time, well, long-ish, 30 years or so, but I've never heard a message on Psalm 23 before. Don't know if you have or haven't, but today, that's what we're going to be thinking about, Psalm 23. 
So I'm going to read it to you, and we're just going to sort of ponder a few ideas about what it might mean for us. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's a great psalm. And maybe you've read some of the other psalms, and some of the other other psalms as well talk about God being the shepherd. If you read Psalm 80, it says that God is our shepherd. But there's something really special about this psalm, because he's saying the Lord is my shepherd. And we could all say that for ourselves, can't we? It's not just God is our shepherd, and we can just get lost in a big number. But it's something personal, something really good, that we can say, yeah, God, the Lord, is my shepherd. I wonder if you recognise yourself. We're the sheep. And what we want to think about is us being the sheep, as well as God being the shepherd. Just to go back one slide, we're sort of going to split it into three parts. So we're first of all thinking about the providence of God, the sheep and the shepherds, that's verses one to three. I was wondering, and maybe you can help me, what other jobs could the psalmist have described God as? So the Lord is my shepherd. So what else could he have described God as? I can see you all chewing it over, sorry. Right, okay, let me just quantify that. If you were living in biblical times, What would you describe God as? Thank you, Paul. That was a really good answer, weren't it? I'm glad Paul spoke up. Thanks, Paul. But I should have said, in biblical times, how would you have described God? So mechanic, that would have been really forward thinking, wouldn't it? So that's, that's, a, that's, that's the prophetic bit. So anything else? So how would you have described God? I've had a think about it. I've written five or six down. Fisherman, right. Yeah, I've got that. Teacher, yeah, because there's all kinds of teachers in the biblical times, weren't there? King, yeah. Farmer, brilliant. Sorry? Comforter. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Anyone else? Guide. Artist. I heard something else then. Musical, did you say? This is the list I've written down. So, fisherman, mason. Yeah. The Lord is my mason. What do you think? The Lord is my carpenter. The Lord is my embroiderer. That's good, because I needed embroiderers. I was reading about it in Exodus this uh, last few weeks, about making the the, uh, tabernacle and everything, and how they needed skilled embroiderers to make it all. So, the Lord is my embroiderer. The Lord is my soldier. The Lord is my arable farmer. (laughs) The Lord is my priest. 
and all these other things that you all mentioned, they're all kind of relevant, but there's something special, I think, about the Lord is my shepherd. Do you remember that when Jesus was born, and you hear this kind of talk, this sermon, when at Christmas time, people say, oh, the shepherds, they weren't any good. They were kind of drunk and are out in the fields because they couldn't get a better job. You heard that sort of sermon before. The Lord is my shepherd. So that's pretty amazing, isn't it? That this was one of the jobs that not many people wanted. But it was a really important job. Going back to those sheep again. How many sheep, I wonder? I don't know the answer. Probably you don't. You don't need to tell me. But there must have been millions of sheep around at that time. Loads and loads of them. They needed looking after. They needed, the shepherd needed to be out in all weathers. Because sheep can get into mischief. They needed someone to lead them around and get them the water, get them the food. That's really good. The message says for this section, verses 1 to 3, because we're thinking about the providence of God, the protective care of God, how he has foresight to look after us. The message says, you let me catch my breath. And the Living Bible says, he helps me to do what honours him the most. I was thinking of John 10, how Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd and what he did for us as the shepherd. Remember when he was on earth, how he healed so many people. And there's a story in Matthew 8, verses 2 to 5, how he healed a leper. And he didn't just sort of say, leper, be cleansed, everything is fine. You go and sort of uh, sacrifice and celebrate again because you're fine now. Before he said those words, what did Jesus do to the leper? Touched him. If you were in biblical times and you touched a leper, what was the likelihood that would happen to you, possibly? Yeah, there's some consequences, aren't there? But Jesus didn't just touch him didn't, uh, physically, but emotionally. He sorted him out because he knew that if... No one else touched him because you'd stand clear of lepers. You didn't want to catch that. If no one else did, Jesus touched him. As well as saying, be healed, and he was physically. Maybe he was healed mentally because Jesus happened to touch him. Pretty amazing. Something else that's amazing. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. Did you notice that the Lord is in capital letters? This is one of my favourite bits of the psalm because you might remember when the Lord, L-O-R-D, is in capital letters, it's the Tetragrammaton. And that's the Old Testament way of saying God's name, the covenant name of God, the Yehwah, the Y-H-W-H, the covenant name of God. That often when you see the Lord, it's that way of saying God, the God's name. And I got me thinking about this a little bit, and I was thinking, why wouldn't they say God's name? And I just thought to myself, I don't call my dad Brian. I call him dad. Because it's a term of reverence and respect. And perhaps with your dad or anyone else you hold in respect, you're, you don't really often call them Bob or whatever. Most people call them dad, 
or daddy or father or something like that, isn't it? Because it's just a nice term of respect and it gets maybe, uh, it just shows you where you are in the relationship, isn't it? You're not sort of on an equal with your dad. You're kind of saying, I love you, dad, and things like that. It's great. So that's where I think we might have come from. And, of course, David doesn't say, the Lord sometimes is my shepherd. The Lord might be my shepherd, but the Lord is my shepherd. He was knowing that he was the shepherd. Quickly moving on. God is our protector. So we're thinking about the traveller and the companion. Just for those first few verses, we sort of read about green pastures, quiet waters... That means probably life is fantastic, life is good, you can just relax and everything's groovy. But life isn't groovy all the time, is it? Life can be pretty terrible sometimes as well. And that's where God, as a protector, I think is wonderful. In the darkest valley, when we feel alone, we're not. Because God is walking by us, close with us. Today or tomorrow might seem foggy, might seem like we're on our own, we don't know where we're going, but we're not on our own. God is walking alongside us, laughing at our jokes, amazed at our fascinating facts that we tell the people, just happy to be with us. God's with us. Right by us. Sujin, do you mind being a volunteer? Oh, she's great. I knew I could rely on Sujin. She doesn't know anything about this. Just stand where you are. That's great. I want you to pretend to be a sheep. (laughs) Can you pretend to be a sheep, please? What would you say? That's it. That's the idea. Yeah, lovely. Oh, thanks, Sujin. That was beautiful. Right, now, I'm going to do an experiment with Sujin. It's all above board. It's all fine and dandy. It's all okay. So, Sujin, because you speak sheep, if you uh, want to say yes, can you just bar once? If you want to say no, can you bar twice, please? Thank you. Yeah, that's it. So, if you want to say yes for any of my questions that I'm going to ask, you're going to say, And if you want to say no, you're going to say, bah, bah, something like that. Is that okay? You don't get it. Does anyone else get it? Okay, I'm going to ask you some questions, and if you sort of agree with what I'm saying, you're going to say yes, affirmative, by saying bah. And if you're thinking, that's crazy, just go bah, bah. Okay, right. Okay, here's the experiment. Yeah, okay. We can all join in and help her. That's the best thing, isn't it? Okay. Oh, is it? So it's a bar. Like yeah. Things. Okay. Oh, do it in Korean. How do you say it in Korean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, we have a multilingual sheep here. I've never met a multilingual sheep before. That's brilliant, isn't it? Oh, fantastic. I like coming here. Yeah, right. Okay, so say it again, Sujin. And now, if it was no? You said twice. Say twice, yeah. Thank you very much. Lovely. Now, what did you notice? I need some props. I've got my props very handily. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Just stand where you are. I've got a modern rod and staff. 
Right, okay. I'll just make this a bit longer. Now, I couldn't make it go over like a staff would, but I've got a bit of tubing. That's my rod. And uh, an extendable thing to help you paint. That's my staff. Right. How am I comforting you? Am I comforting you greatly or not very much? Okay, so, so am I comforting you? I said, help her, help her. Okay, stand where you are. Because remember, the, the uh, psalm says, your rod and they staff, they comfort me. Thank you very much. Okay, I'm coming a bit closer. Ah, oh, is that comforting you anymore? No, it's not, is it? I'm doing a rubbish job, aren't I? Right, I'm going to get a bit closer. Okay. Comfort, I'm, I'm meant to be comforting you. You are. No, I'm meant to be. You're meant to be. Yeah. Am I comforting you or not? Am I looking after you? Am I giving you guidance? Am I protecting you from the wolves? Can you see all the wolves over here? Oh! <laughs> Is that happening? No. Okay. Am I protecting you now? Yeah. What's happened? I'm a lot closer. Thank you, Susan. I'm so sorry. That was sort of difficult. No, I should have explained it beforehand, obviously. I'm sorry. So I was protecting Sujin, the Korean sheep, who is bilingual, when I was close to her. That's really important. Keep that in your member banks. I'm just going to put that down there. Oh, this is fun. Put the number in again, because it's all gone blank. Right, let's think about the next one. The guest and the host. And there's more notes. I'm missing things out, because we've got another five or six minutes, and we need to finish. So have a look on the website. There's loads more things that we can think about. Preparing a table in the presence of my enemies. Jean, did you have a good breakfast? Did you? Let's... Think well. Who thinks Jean should be my next volunteer? Yeah. Oh, thanks, Jean. It's great. So, do you want to um, take a seat? <laughs> thanks very much. Now, I've got something here at the back. I'm just going to prepare. Prepare rather. Oops. That one. I'm just going to prepare a table for Jean. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks, Colin. There we go. Fabulous. Lovely. How good's that? What do you... Th- You've got the... You know what's going to happen. There you are, John. Do you feel blessed? That he shook his head for the uh, people who might live, listen anywhere around the world on a podcast. That was a no, then. No, it's not be like sheep. I like it. That's good. Okay. Colin, can you help me a bit more? Okay. Lovely. So we're just going to plop it down here, then. Now, that's far better, isn't it? Are we feeling even more blessed now? Because I've prepared a table, and Colin's helped me as well, for you, Jean. I wouldn't do it for many people, but I've done it for you. It's not for me. 
Oh, okay, Colin. Thanks very much. Here we go. We'll go all the way, shall we? Because we know what's happening. Look at that, everyone. I've prepared a table for Jean. He's a great chap, isn't he? How's that then, Jean? So what? What a cheeky thing to say. Here, Colin and I have gone to all this trouble of preparing a table for you. That's ingratitude, I'd say. Oh, pardon, Fiona? There's nothing on it. Okay. I've got a spoon. Right. Right. I'm going to prepare a table. Now, do you think if I sort of put the table there and then try and put the spoon on the table from over here, I'm going to do a good job? Why is that? Right. Again, do you get what I'm sort of trying to say? It's by being close that we know the Lord is our shepherd. If I was over there preparing a table in the midst of our enemies, did you hear that? In the midst, so it's not just a nice place, but it's a bit of a hostile place. The enemies are there, but I've put the table over here, and John's over here. That's no good. What does God do for us? He puts the table where we are, in our circumstances, in our trials, whether we're feeling great or feeling down, the table is prepared. How's that? Okay. It's okay. It's a start, isn't it? Now, if we had time, we could do a six-course dinner, because that's what the message says. It's not just you prepare a feast, but a six-course dinner. And this week, I was watching a programme on the television about the Queen being 90, and uh, I remember them saying that it takes them two months to prepare for a state banquet. Two months to get all the cutlery out, shine it up, and all the plates and all that sort of stuff. And um, I think it's because they do so much work in attention to detail, just like God prepares a six-course feast for us because we're close to him. Thank you, John. You can have a sit down. Thank you. So... Just quickly thinking about the next one. So who has prepared a table? Is it this man? No. So going up the elevation a little bit, is it these people that has prepared a, t- a table for us? No. So who has prepared a table for us? Do you remember a few weeks ago, we were thinking about how God is ineffable, not silent, creative, love, glorious, faithful, jealousy, omnis, holy. And yet he prepares a table for us where we are, wherever we're feeling, how close is God to you? Is he that close? Or that close? Or really close? God is really close to us. He wants to be our shepherd. He wants to show his love for us. I wonder how much influence God has in our life. Think about influence and with God, we can let it grow. Because as we look at God and say, God, I want you in my life. I want you to take control. From being small, he can expand. And we can say, yes, Lord, I want you 
to be my God, my Lord. Life sometimes is good, like we've been saying. Quiet pastures, sort of quiet waters, lush pastures. Sometimes it can be really bad. But wherever we are in life, we might have some questions to ask ourselves. And some of these questions can get us really confused. And we're just thinking, oh, I don't know which way to turn. I could do this, I could do that. It's maybe not even just young people when they're going to university or something, thinking, oh, what shall I do with the rest of my life? Where shall I go? It's our age as well, isn't it? Whatever age we are, we always have questions. So it might be that in our lives we have all these different ways and we're not sure what to do. Or it might be we're very certain on where we're going. It's a defined route. We've got a one-way path. We know where God's taken us. The big thing, I think, about the Lord is my shepherd is wherever we are in our life, in the good bits, the bad bits, the happy, the sad, God says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. Think about him in all your ways and he'll guide you on the right paths. So all of these notes are on the website, like we say, and plenty more that I've missed out. But wherever we are, God says, be, let me be your shepherd. Let me guide you. Let me love you. I'm close to you. Don't be afraid. Worship with all your heart and trust me. You can put your confidence in me. And Jean is going to lead us in a time of worship just now. Don't tell us about it. That's brilliant. Thank you, Margaret.